Hello and welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch, sponsored by Masses Restaurants. There's five locations in St. Louis. They serve meatballs. They serve sandwiches. It's Italian fare. Go to stlmasses.com. I know someone who's a meatball. He's had a few meatballs in his life. He's hit a few meatballs. It's my good friend, Brian Jordan. Hello, Brian. Thanks for calling me a meatball there, Brad. Yeah, I've had plenty of meatballs in my life and hit a lot of meatballs out of the ballpark. You did hit a few meatballs out of the ballpark. We're going to talk about all of that. Um, so how are you dealing with quarantine? Let me just ask. I always ask everybody, everybody, your hair looks good. You said you got a haircut, so good for you. I'm still a little, <laughs> still a little shaggy myself here, but how, everything's good for you, huh? Well, it's, it's, it was very, very long uh, because I was not taking any chances of uh, – you know, with the social distancing and the whole pan- pandemic, man. You know, I, I don't know who to believe, what to believe, but uh, I don't want me or my family to take any chances. I definitely cover up uh, with masks when I'm out in public. Uh, it's been tough. I mean, uh, to be honest, you know, I'm not working at this time with no baseball, no sports. Uh, but, you know, I, I try to look at the positives, uh, being with family and, you know, hanging with the kids and, uh, you know, doing a little baseball and basketball, keeping them in shape. Uh, it's been fun. It's been really fun. And, uh, you know, my body has it's made a difference in my body and trying to eat right and, and staying in shape. So but I, I need sports bad. <laughs> what do you want most? Like, what do you I know baseball is where you work and you get paid. So that's probably first and foremost. But uh, what do you miss? You miss an NBA playoffs, uh, a little yeah, hockey? I miss the NBA playoffs. I'm a, I'm a huge LeBron fan and uh, I was kind of pulling for those Lakers. And I knew it was going to be a, a good ending to a basketball season in playoff time. But unfortunately, you know, everything is shut down. Hopefully we'll see what the playoffs look like. Uh, in September, October, whenever they're going to get to it. But, uh, you know, I kind of like the fact that the NBA is coming back uh, in, uh, at the end of, what, end of July. So it's something to look forward to. I'm crossing my fingers with the negotiation of baseball and getting baseball back started. But, you know, I give a lot of credit to uh, uh, MMA, uh, UFC fighting. Uh, at least they're giving us something to watch with no fans and, and kind of getting you used to the no fans. Uh, I don't care right now. I just want to see, you know, fights and championship fights live. And uh, it's kind of been fun. I mean, I've been enjoying Korean baseball, uh, Japanese baseball. I mean, those guys play late at night, but that's my baseball fix. I get a chance to watch those guys perform with no fans just to kind of get an idea of what it could be here. Uh, and, you know, I'm impressed. I'm not those guys are playing. Uh, they haven't had any problems that I know of yet. And uh, hopefully we can get to that point here in the States. Yeah, 1994, you went through it, and we're going kind of through it again. We can't get these two sides to be on uh, the same page. Where do you stand? Are you, uh, I mean, you, you used to be a player. There's uh, obviously there's negotiations. But do you just say, come on, guys, get this together. Let's, let's, you, could, you could be the first sport out there right now. You could be the ones showing how to do this correctly. Well, it's frustrating because uh, I've been through it, like you said, and I know the effect of, you know, when you don't do it, the fans, they can be a big part of of what it looks like when it's over. And we had a tough time in 95 coming back to baseball. Fans, you know, they were angry, they were mad, and it really took the home run uh, battle to bring baseball back. And so we finally got baseball back, and, uh, you know, 
I don't think they can afford to take that chance. Uh, I think uh, they're going to have to figure it out. Uh, the owners and the players, some level, even ground, understanding uh, the sacrifices that they all have to make. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of 9-11 uh, when I was playing with Atlanta and being a first team back in New York City. Uh, it was scary, but, you know, it was a sacrifice I was willing to make. And to bring baseball back at that time, especially in New York, where the terrorists hit, uh, just to see the smiles on the fans in New York, uh, it was a tremendous game with Mike Piazza winning the game with that home run. Uh, to be a part of the families who had great loss through that, uh, it meant something to me. And, you know, it sticks with me for the rest of my life that very night, what it felt like. Uh, and, and you know, to look at my teammates and the sacrifice we made to, to say, hey, let's, let's do this. Let's be the first game back in New York. Uh, it's like that. I mean, the fans, the United States need baseball back on the field. And it's going to be a sacrifice that the players are going to have to make and the owners. So if they don't, I don't see baseball returning. Uh, it's going to take a huge hit for a long time. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people have been passing the time by watching old videos, old sports games, but documentaries. Michael Jordan obviously had a wonderful 10-parter, but then the coming up, there's this McGuire one. So I really was interested in talking to you because you were on that team. Uh, did you ever go, hey, Mac, how about, uh, how about we just uh, you know, talk about winning? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what was it like uh, watching him do his thing, man? I mean, he, and I was crazy because you look at the stats from you guys. Go ahead. What was it? I kind of lost you at the end, but uh, it, it was a lot of fun. It was simply because... You know, Mark, Mark McGuire is such a good, to be a part of history, who wouldn't want to be? Uh, a lot of people ask me, well, you know, was it about trying to win? Well, heck, we were already out of it. <laughs> we were a young ball club, trying to come back. Uh, Tony LaRusso's early uh, new career. And, you know, it was it was a tough time, but... To know that you're not going to make it and continue to fight for something like Mark McGuire, uh, it was fun and it was worth it. And, you know, I loved every bit of it. The fact that his son could be there that night uh, against the Cubs to witness it, uh, you know, he made it a joy for, for all his teammates. You know, he knew how frustrating it was with all the media every night coming in. And, you know, he took care of the players. I mean... Uh, he understood what we were going through. We understood what he was going through. Uh, and it was it was a great combination of good teammates and, and a good time, really. What's one, one of the craziest things that happened? Like, I know you guys had to kind of get rushed through, like, the back of hotels, through restaurants and kitchens. Because, and, uh, you know, once the bus pulls up, everyone's there. I mean, what was it? What were some of the crazier stories that you remember from just uh, the travel and that, that kind of that scene in August and September? Well, you know what the, the craziest thing was, you know, when batting practice happened, well, it was a packed stadium just to watch batting practice of Mark McGuire. Uh, and that was the frustrating part for me because Mark would hit these bombs out of stadiums and way out. 
And then when he walks out of the cage and I walk up, everybody's booing me. So it, it got kind of frustrating, you know, to, to be booed during batting practice. But uh, no, it was just amazing, man, the impact that that home run contest had. You know, him and Sammy Sosa, two good guys, uh, you know, two good teammates, guys like them. Uh, it, it was fun, man. It, it was a different experience, though, like you said, going to hotels, you know, everybody's trying to be a part of Mark's his, history with when everything trying to get signed. And uh, it was just a packed house, man. We had Mark had to sneak around all the time. Did you I mean, did you guys have to sneak with him or was it more? Hey, let's get Mark in and then we'll go pick up our keys and, and fall asleep. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it was. I mean, we wanted to make sure Mark was all right. Nobody was you know, crazy enough to do anything stupid. And uh, so we we were kind of policing for Mark. How hard was it? Because I know Mark uh, did not like that spotlight and he pretty much owned it. He said, listen, I don't want to be part of it. I want to talk about the team. And um, what, how hard was it watching uh, from afar to see that him, you know, that you knew that this guy isn't just here to show off and hit home runs. He wants to win, but that, that spotlight's going to hit you anyway. Well, you know, that was a great thing about Mark and, and the whole process, you know, he didn't like the spotlight. He just wanted to play baseball and he had a special talent and gift that, that many didn't have, you know, that being able to hit for that type of power, uh, you know, he wanted us to understand first and foremost, that it's about baseball. Uh, he didn't want the spotlight, but we knew what was going to happen. And again, he's always looking out for us, our comfort level, and he was always communicating, man. Hey, uh, I'm gonna take these interviews outside, guys. I don't want, I don't want them near your locker and blase, blase. I mean, he was that type of humble guy that looked out team first, and you know, he just felt like it was just another day. I just want to come in and have fun playing baseball with my teammates. But we all knew knew what it was all about. I mean, the media is the media, and it was a great story every day. And it couldn't happen to me until a better guy, a better teammate, should I say. I've seen many, many batting practices, but I never saw him have to bunt or try to go to right field. Didn't you go, hey, we're trying to work on stuff here. He looked like he was working on hitting at 550 feet. Hey, with that type of gift, man, you you better not bunt. <laughs> yeah, I, it was a fun year. What was uh, the 62 night for you like? Just kind of, I mean, that felt like a playoff guy. I was there, and it was just so different than any regular season game, but... What was it like just being that, that build up because the whole weekend you're home, you, you get the 60, right. 60 and the Saturday and then 61 on Labor Day and then Tuesday's the last day before you guys go on a road trip. So he has to do it if he's going to do it in front of us. That whole little weekend, that time, what was it like going to the ballpark and being around it and what did it mean to you just to be around it? It was a frustrating night for me because I had injured my wrist and I knew how bad my wrist was, but I knew I wanted to be in the lineup and I knew Tony LaRusso wanted me in the lineup. But, uh, you know, I told Tony, man, my wrist is killing me. And there's, there's no way I can play. And, you know, so we had that whole conversation before the game. And to not be in the game, you know, I kind of sit back and say, dang, I regret that. You know, I should have just tried to play with all the pain and, and get through it. But, uh, you know, you never know when he's going to do it. But I, I was happy to see him do it that night in St. Louis in front of the home fans. And with Sammy Sosa there, I mean... God, it didn't get any better than that, man. To see him and Sammy hug, uh, to see him hold his son up, man, uh, to do the old fist punch in the stomach. 
uh, it was a great night, man. Great night for St. Louis uh, to be a part of history then. Yeah, and we've been through many fantasy camps together, too. I've played hurt every time. I mean, you could tell, right? That's what it looks like. I, I know, man. You know, again, if there's any regrets, man, it's not being in that lineup on, the, on that card, man. And I know Tony really wanted me in that lineup and was trying to do everything to get me there. I put it up on a tee for you just to make fun of how terrible I am at baseball. Cause I, I, would, I would never do that, Brad, man. Come on, you could be the worst baseball player, but I would never throw you under the bus on air, no. Okay, you did give me a game ball, which made me feel special, I guess, would be a, a bad... <laughs> well, you know what? Hey, you've had your good times against me, man, throwing that slow junk up there and getting me out, so I, you can brag about that all day long. 0 for 2 against you? Come on. I wasn't even going to mention that, but you remember it. That's... Hey, I'm, hey, I'm going to give you your props. You got me. You got me. You're in my book. I'll face you again. I'm going to remember that, though. <laughs> I w- I'm going to make this happen. I've got uh, LaPointe and Costello angry at me. Uh, you have a grudge. I know Mabry still does. I don't know if Mabry's coming back since he's got uh, some work to do with Kansas City. But yeah. I love John Mabry, by the way. Let's just have some fun talking about you and him in 96. That was a fun time, right? You know, it was a great time, man. He's To me, he's one of those special guys that I think grabbed the heart of every teammate. Uh, he plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. He's the nicest guy. He comes and give 110% every single day. And, uh, you know, all the veterans love them, man. You know, we, we definitely protected them and, uh, you know, protected them to a serious point of, 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 you know, we had an incident happen when Tony LaRusso was there. And, you know, everybody cared about John Avery. And we protected him and took care of him. And he continued to go out and do his job, man. I'm happy for him. I'm happy to see him uh move on his career and be a coach and happy to see him back in baseball with Kansas City. You, you mentioned the incident. I think he's talked about it. I'd like to get your thoughts on it because the 96 team is always a, a special one uh, because of what we talked about, the strike, 95, things were bad. Here comes Tony. The team was really not enjoying Tony early on. And I guess it was John Mabry was laughing with Fred McGriff at first base, and Tony just said, hey, yeah, we don't do that here with the hair over the ears and the sunglasses. And, and you guys yeah. kind of had kind of a moment to just say, Tony, let's – let's right? I mean, it's kind of like, the, hey, let's uh, let's back off a little bit here. We're, we're a good team, and, and you, you kind of just got to let us play a little bit. It was a little early in the season, I remember. Yeah, I mean, it was a time where Tony came in, and, and you know, the one thing that Tony – and if you know Tony, he's going to establish his ground. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, it all started when Ozzie Smith wasn't the opening day shortstop. Uh, I think he grabbed the attention of the clubhouse and the fans and everybody else uh, that it's going to be my way or the highway. And, you know, the players, we kind of resented that at first. You know, he had a special way of, of, of managing I always say Tony LaRusso was analytics before they were analytics. And a lot of guys like myself who were just athletes wanting to get on base, run, and and make things happen, uh, you know, he had a different style. You know, he controlled every aspect of the game. And, you know, as far as Mabry, we, again, we protected Mabry. And for him to get on Mabry as a young, young lad, at first base, playing first base, and Fred McGriff, who's a veteran. Uh, and I know Mabry looks up to Fred McGriff. Everybody does. And if a veteran talks to you, you know, you're going you're gonna to respond. That's just 
normal. That's the respect you have for other baseball players. And for Tony to really snap on Mabry and to see Mabry react the way he did, you know, one, I wanted to save Mabry, make sure he's still in the game of baseball because he was really, really angry. And uh, thank God I was able to grab him before he gets to Tony La Russa. And uh, I think the team just, we rallied around Mabry because we knew his personality. We knew the way he played the game. And we knew that was just a part of baseball, you know, responding to another a great player like Fred McGriff that's talking to you as a young player. And so it got off to a rough start. We protected uh, Mabry and it was a big boo in the clubhouse after that one. I can tell you that one. I can't get in too many details about that, but uh, you know, it was an eye opener for everybody uh, that experience with Mabry. And, you know, it was a time that, that the team had to rally together and, until we understood Tony LaRussa. And uh, once we rallied together, it turned into a great season. And, you know, Tony understood his team and, and we understood Tony as, as the leader of the team. So we made the playoffs and it was a good season at the end of the day. Nobody's watching. What happened? Go ahead. I know he. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot get into those details, but, uh, you know, it was, it was sort of a players versus coaches, you know. Didn't Tom Pagnazzi get kind of thrown into the wolves and he's like, the coaches are like, hey, who, who sent you over here? And Pag's like, uh, I, I, Brian did. <laughs> <laughs> no. It, I you wasn't know, you, I know. Tom Pagnazzi was one of the leaders of the team, man. And, uh, you know, everybody had great respect for Pags and uh, he was a catcher, he was a leader. And uh, so he kind of rallied the troops along with Ozzy Smith, the, the Hall of Famer. And we had to come together. We had to find a way to make it work, and we did. So it was it was a good boo-ha, whatever you want to call it, in the clubhouse because it got a lot accomplished. Did he, did he take the food away a couple times there during that year? Oh, yes, he did. Yes, he did. That was a serious call, especially when you play a nine in a game and you're hungry. <laughs> what did he but, say? But he would – wouldn't he say something like, "Hey, you guys didn't you guys didn't perform. You don't get to eat. Find another way to get your food, right?" Exactly, man. And you know, some some guys are like that, man. I, sometimes you need a wake up call like that. And uh, again, it, it was a wake up call that kind of brought us together. I'm just so amazed by that by Tony because he is one of these guys like Bill Belichick, and just players can probably can't stand him. But in the end, they walk away going. You know, this guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to, you know, and it does, it seems like outside of Ozzy, <laughs> there's a lot of guys, and Ozzy has his reasons, but there's a lot of guys who come away Go, I mean, Mabry came back in 04. Ray Langford came back in 04. Not that Ray had any issues, but like you have these moments where you can't stand the guy, but you leave your career and you're like, oh, like Jim Edmonds talks about him being a father. I mean, all these guys come through. I could see why you could probably not stand him, but at the end, you all kind of understood him, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, man, you compared him right to like a Belichick, man. He, he has his system in place uh, and he can just add pieces to the puzzle and, and get the best out of him. And I give him a lot of credit for that. I always brag about he can make a good player great and the average player good. I mean, that's just the way he was. And until you understood that, that system, uh, uh, and if you ever understand that system, you know, it's a winning system and it's proven. Uh, again, he's analytics before they were analytics. And we we still don't understand analytics today 
and you know some of the former players. So you can imagine how that worked with Tony Larusa. But he was able to get the best out of players and put them in the best situations to succeed at the end of the day. So I give him a lot of credit. Uh, you know, we we talk, we're good friends. So you know, bygones is bygones. You know, it didn't start out great, but at the end of the day, I understood how Tony was and I understood his system. I like to, uh, you know, we're talking 96. I play a little show and tell here. I don't normally, but today I was thinking about you and having you on, and I'm, I'm showing this here from 1996. This is the newspaper, uh, the day you guys clinch against San Diego. And look at that, Jordan Rules. I'll sell this to you for, I'll sell this to you for about 20 bucks. All right, I'll take it, man. I'll take it. What do you, that, what do you, that is not, and, and folks, that is not Michael Jordan. That is Brian Jordan. That is my rules. <laughs> so I was looking at that game, too, because uh, I actually looked at some, some – I was doing some research, believe it or not. I research on this thing. I, you know, people really? people watch. Um, and I remember – Caminetti, did he have two home runs in that game, too? So I've totally forgotten. Caminetti was my MVP that game, man. He had a fantastic game. And uh, I remember during my interview, I said, Ken Caminetti deserves to be the MVP of that game. Uh, he's a tremendous player, and uh, I mean, he stepped up. I mean, he came up big when they needed him, and uh, we were just fortunate to to keep playing and keep playing and and making it happen at the right times. What was about that game that uh, for you, just when you think back, is that one of the the career highlights? Big. I mean, you. I look back. I mean, obviously, we didn't see you as much uh, in Atlanta or LA, uh, but we know you had some big postseason moments. Um, but this is the clinch. You get the big diving catch. You hit the home run off Trevor Hoffman on a on a breaking ball, which the breaking ball seemed to be a problem early on in your career. I remember Al Rabowski was like, "Hey, he needs oh, to start yeah. learning how to hit the <laughs> Al. Leave him alone. We understand. He's a fo- he's a football player. Damn it!" <laughs> right, but no, man, I, that definitely uh, was one of the highlights of my career is to be able to face Trevor Hoffman and in that situation and and come up with a big two run homer, uh, scoring Ron Gant to win the ball game. Uh, you know, I think the catch was probably even even better than that. You know, with uh, I want to say it was John Frascatore on the mound, and you know, I'm trying to think of the golly, the guy who hit the ball in the gap. But uh, Steve Finley, that, Tony Gwynn. I'm going to go through the Padres. Steve Finley, Tony Gwynn. Oh God, who else did they have on that team? He was a short utility guy, white guy, utility guy, really good. Archie Cianfranco. I don't know. I really can't. No, we'll man. look it up. We we don't do research though. We just play show and tell. We got to look that one up. But uh, he hits a bullet, you know. And I knew coming up that he was a real good contact hitter, and I knew he was a gap to gap guy. So I had him kind of cheating toward the gap and playing right field, and I just got a tremendous jump as soon as he hit it, and I was going to do whatever it took, which I did, laid out and. And made the catch. And once I made that catch, man, I knew we were going to win the ball game. Because, you know, if they don't win with a shot like that in the gap, we're going to we're going to win it. You know, the the odds are, are going our way. And sure enough, to come up with that big hit, uh, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And early in my career being that young, uh, it was just a great feeling. And then the game against the Braves, game four, I don't think I've ever asked you about this. But, man, that felt like... 
this team's going to the World Series. I felt like that game, man, you got Dimitri Young doing his triple, and then you hit the home run of McMichael, gives the Cardinals a lead in the eighth. You guys win. Eck points at the dugout. Everyone has told me that was it. The Braves said, you can't point at our dugout. When I went to Atlanta, that was the first thing I asked Bobby Cox. I said, when Eck pointed to you guys, was that the thing that woke you guys up? He said, exactly the thing that woke us up. John Smokes called a meeting right after that. And all of a sudden, the Braves were the Braves. You know, those big-time pitchers came through for them. And, you know, with us, we were, it was awesome. We were that close. Uh, but to, to have our young gun going in Game 7, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow. Donovan Osborne, to put that type of pressure on him, uh, you know, it, it's hard to do. And, you know, that close, man. I tell you, was that close. And I really felt like we had a great chance against the Yankees. So I know a lot of people who watch or listen to these. If there is a lot, I think there is. But they're uh, mostly Cardinal fans. But I watched uh, a documentary on the Dirty Birds. Um, and I remember being a kid watching this team going, who who the hell are these guys? I mean, you guys were, were definitely – you were dancing. It was right off of the icky shuffle. So you had kind of that – the Bengals were doing the icky shuffle. But you guys right. took it to a new level. Um how much and it's sort of the, I mean it, you know you were close but didn't have the quarterback but what, what how much fun was that to kind of see Atlanta perk up for football because they'd never really had anything happening and you had Andre Risen and Dion and yeah. you and and being a part of that group I mean that it just seemed like a what a fun time for for a young guy like yourself and and, and like you had Dion kind of these these names these these, yeah. these boisterous guys you know it, it was a great time and you know when I came to the Falcons, uh, they were awful. Uh, Marion Campbell, it was his last season, and I saw why they were at the bottom of the barrel when I, when I first came over. They drafted Dion as their first pick, and to me, when I came over, it was Dion and, and everybody else because Dion was head and shoulders better than anybody on that field, and he brought an attitude in practice every day that that to me instilled winning in everybody. Uh, he made everybody better. And to be his teammate, I learned a lot from him. Uh, you know, he motivated me every single day. I motivated him every single day. The fact that we were doing both, uh, it was great conversation. And, and Jerry Glanville came in, which really turned the tables for us, you know, to bring a, a, boisterous, a boisterous leader like Glanville that he will embarrass you if you don't do what you're supposed to do. And, and guys like myself and Dion, we love playing under that type of pressure, you know. And, you know, all of a sudden he started bringing Andre Rosen in and adding pieces to the puzzle, Tim McKayer. Uh We turned into a really good team. And it all started in practice, man. We, we used to battle in practice. And, you know, we beat New Orleans in the first round of playoffs. And we were that close in, in 91. Uh, getting to getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, we lost to the Redskins in a tough battle, which they went on to win the Super Bowl. So, and then that next year, that was when the Cardinals bought me out. I was not ready to actually give up football, uh, but the fact that Glanville and uh, the Falcons dragged their feet on re-signing me, and the Cardinals came and made me a, a great offer, and I wanted to dedicate a full season to the Cardinals and, and see how it feels. You know, I used to think baseball players were wimpy, you know, because, you know, football and the brute strength and all the pain that I used to go through. And then 
to play 162 game season, I had a new respect for baseball players, man. Uh, I had nothing but respect uh, the fact that they could bounce back day in and day out and keep playing through injuries and everything else. So I learned a lot in that first year. And uh, but I, I'm glad I made the right choice. You know, I get to, the chance to talk about some stories. I traveled for, I think, three years with a baseball team, the Cardinals in 06 and 07 and 08. And uh, I couldn't handle it, just the, <laughs> just the travel. And I know all the fans are like, oh, but you're in a Ritz Carlton and you're in a plot, you know, a blood, the bus take. You're, you're getting in at four in the morning. I just, I always remember seeing Albert Pujols and being amazed because the game is hard enough. But all of this other stuff, and you have to, you still have to go through customs. You still have to go through the airport. You still have to carry your bags through up to the to the plane. There's not an off. I said, I always said, look at that calendar. You see that off day on Thursday, June twelfth. I'm off that day, and I'm off that day, June twenty eighth. Those two Thursdays, and you guys played, and I was like, and, and you guys, and, I mean, then these guys were getting to the ballpark at noon and one. And I was just showing up like, oh, man, how are you guys doing? So it, it always amazed me that all the ancillary stuff, baseball's hard enough, but, man, that travel and just the daily grind, and people will never understand it. You can tell them, but I, at least I understood it. I, I got it because I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I went out a couple times with Isringhausen for drinks, and he that took me out of a whole road trip. Like, I was done for the whole <laughs> – I didn't think I was going to wake up. But uh, No, I mean, yeah – it's not easy, man. And uh, uh, again, the fans look at that we're playing a game that we love, and everything is dandy. But you know, like I tell everybody, if I if I could have worked a, a nine to five job and make a lot of money like baseball players, I would have worked a nine to five job. And you know, because it does take a toll on you. You know, not just all the travel and all, but being away from your family uh, that was more important. You know, you have young kids and. You're away 81 days a year, and even when you're at home 81 days, you're still away because, you know, you don't get home until late. You miss the kids, and then you try to get up for breakfast just to send them off to school, and then they don't see you the rest of the day. I mean, it's, it's really tough to be a, a family, family man and a baseball player at the same time. A couple more questions for you. I, we were talking about the Falcons. Uh, Hammer comes along. Does too legit to quit, has many of the Falcons. How was your experience with MC Hammer? Did you get a chance to know him at all? And, and, and he seems just like the normalest guy. He was a batting, he was a bat boy for the A's back in the day. So it just seemed like he was so excited just to be, you know, doing what he's doing. Well, the fact that Dion got into music and, you know, Glanville was all about. Let me stop you there. What do you think of Dion's song? Must be the money. <laughs> right? That's him, right? Very true. That's <laughs> Good thing he had good backup singers, right? <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, you know, Dion was he was a go-getter, man, and he, and he marketed himself well. I told he's the best marketing guy I've ever known, and to, to get out there and make that record must be the money. Just added to, to his prestige and his fame. I mean, the guy was talented. Uh, I loved him. Uh, you know, the, the thing that people don't know about Dion is – he signs autographs for every kid, and he doesn't drink. He doesn't use foul language. That's the part that people don't see, man. That's that's how I love the bottom, and he's always trying to give back to to the young younger athletes and and young adults, man. But uh, he was a great teammate, man. He made everybody around him better. 
Uh, love the guy, man. What was it? Yeah. So how were your discussions back then? Because he was playing baseball. That was this the big uh, 30 for 30 that just came out where they were showing him going back and forth between playoff games. What were your discussions about trying to do both? Because it's... I mean, there again. I always, I'm, I'm always honored to talk to you seriously because there's Bo Jackson, there's you, there's Dion, and I can't really think of the next four or five guys that have that where you did both. I mean, the, the two big right. sports. So, what what was it like just kind of getting and picking his brain and, and him telling you kind of you know what to look? Or was he a reason why you you wanted to do both? Well, I mean, for Dion, it was it was a lot different. He was always under the spotlight, even at Florida State. So he had a lot going on going into the pros, uh, everybody knew Deion Sanders. And, you know, Deion, we would always talk about trying to continue to do both sports and and take advantage of our opportunities. Uh, but, again, you know, me going to University of Richmond was a lot different than coming through Florida State and, and into the pros. But, uh, I mean, he, he hated the fact that I gave up football when I did and, and stuck with baseball. Uh, he I mean, we just had too much fun together, and he, he felt like I had too much football left in me to, to walk away at that time. So we kind of talked about that. And, uh, you know, was, you know, for him, again, you know, it was a marketing tool. He loved football a lot better than baseball, where I was not caught in between. I loved football a lot better, but not as much as him. You know, I wasn't that – I mean, this guy was the greatest cornerback I've ever seen. And, you know, he was easily, to me, going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's that's how good he was. He would shut down the whole side of a field. I would look at him and say, that's your side. I got to help these guys over here. <laughs> and, I mean, we had that, you know, that that combination, that that, that relationship, man. And, uh, like I said, I, I learned so much from him and uh, – you know, that's why he's a Hall of Famer, man. And he still talks a lot of trash and, and he backs it up. I was going to say, couldn't you just go back to him with the reason you played baseball and just play, just say, must be the money. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. He made a lot more money to me in football than I made coming into the, my NFL career. So, yeah, the Cardinals definitely outweighed the NFL. <laughs> All right, so the last thing I usually do with these, I like to open up baseball cards and get your thoughts on some of the just a random pack. Haven't opened them. You, you want to play? You'll play this, right? This will take 10 seconds. Actually, I want to show you last. So Matt Holiday did this. Uh, who else has done it? The the boys from uh, Fantasy Camp, but I have a Dion card here. Maybe, yeah, so I have a – this was the last time we did, and we got Dion okay. looking smooth, right? Yeah. That's uh, Dion Sand. I'm showing it to the other camera. Probably. So I got uh, that year, 91. So we might get some of your teammates in here, all right? 91 Stadium Club, tops. Uh-huh. You can just comment or I'll comment, and then we'll say goodnight. By the way, as I open this, you're doing Facebook stuff, and I see – is this true? Is, really? Hank Aaron? You're going to talk to me and then Hank Aaron? What is wrong That's with right, – what man. is – tell me about – yeah, tell me what you're – Facebook Live. I was going to say – Jordan and Hamron Hank. How does – Having conversation. Do you have his number? Like, is that you? Oh yeah, man. We good friends, man. I talked to him often. Him and his wife Billy. Uh, so yeah, he's he's doing good. He's working out up at the stadium, uh, getting some rehab, uh, trying to stay in shape, man. So no, we talk. We talk once, probably at least twice a month. 
Really? On the phone? You guys have actual conversations like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, he's like, when I see, you know, it's him, Willie Mays, Stan Musial. I've gotten to see Hank and Stan. I don't think, oh, I met Willie. I got Willie Mays' autograph. So I've, I've met them all. That was when I was 10, though, so it didn't count. But I remember Hank Aaron coming into the All-Star game in, in 09 in St. Louis, and I stopped. Like, I was like, man, that's, that's Hank Aaron. Like, that's, I have that much respect for him. So tell him I said hello. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do on your... He'll remember you from 2009. He was walking in with Bud Selig, and I, and I was like, Bud, get out of the way. I want a picture of Hank Aaron, you clown. Uh, I can't I can't open these. I'm having issues. This is from my – this is because I uh, didn't work out as much as you did today. Um, but what are you doing on your Facebook? Is this for everyone to see and tell me – I've seen that you're, you're you're with Chris Hammond and do you have uh, – tell, yeah, tell people – and Left West and uh, who used to be in a Braves organization. Uh, I'm, we have a Live Pure product, which is uh, an all-natural product that we've teamed up on, which – I love uh, my immune system. Uh, I use the immune to cleanse my body. And, you know, now that I'm over 50, I really work on cleaning my body out of all the crazy stuff I took, you know, coming up. And this pure product was started by Phil Knight and uh, one of the two other owners, one that owns VegasNights.com or something like that, but it's two real powerful three powerful founders of this health and wellness uh, peer product, man. And uh, it's, it's really worked great, great for me over the last three months. I'm in the best shape ever, man. I can't wait to fantasy camp come around. <laughs> now, I hope you're pitching against me because it's going to go way out. <laughs> I haven't left the house since, since March 10th. So I, I think I'm coming down. I think I have to be there. And yes, I'll, I'll try to put on my Jersey and see if it fits. <laughs> Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so we'll be on with Hank tonight, and uh, we'll also be on with uh, with a uh, part owner of the Yankees, and that is uh, Cable. Last name's Cable, killing me right now. Tom Cable it sounds like maybe. Am I right? No, maybe not. Oh man! Uh, oh my gosh! Crown Cable. That's where I used to do paper couple. Oh. Nothing. I'm just. I'm telling jokes to myself. Crown Cable. It was the former cable company no, I used Grant, to work. Grant Cable. I'm sorry. His name is Grant Cable. He's part owner of the Yankees. So we'll have him on right after Hank. Man, just talking about baseball. What's going on? I know he's not going to give us too much. You know, being that he's an owner and uh, you know they're negotiating with the PA right now. So we'll, we'll see what see what I can pull out of him. I'll be watching. I, I want to see uh, what you have to, in store with Hank Aaron. Now, not Hank Aaron is Daryl Ackerfelds. You remember him? No. Daryl Ackerfelds. He was a pitcher. Not not much there, but we'll move on. This guy <laughs> right here is uh, he is a former well, – now he's a manager. Got your thumb on the uh, thing there, Brian. I don't know if you know that. Oh, man. Sorry. Dave Martinez. Yeah, yeah we've got the, we got hey, the Nats hey, manager. My former teammate with the Braves. Good guy. Move on. Actually, I have a story about it. I'll tell that one later. But one one day, we were as kids, we were giving him so much trouble in the bleachers. He turned around and did an obscene gesture towards us. Dave Martinez did. I'll never forget it. Oh, great for him, man! It was not. It was not. It was not a finger either. That's why I like it. it if you could have just turned around and done that, but there was more to it. And I'll just uh -oh. let people have their imagination. Ah, one of my all-time favorites. Used to live in St. Louis. That's Daryl Strawberry right there, the Dodger uniform. Oh, Did you get to know him at all at all? Yes, good guy, man. 
glad to see him change his life around, and uh, now he's preaching. So good to see that. Yeah, he was. He met his. I think he met his wife uh, at a church here in St. Louis. So that was. Uh, we're we're proud of that. Look, th- I don't know who Carl Nichols is, but this is quite the baseball card. Look at that. What's going on there? Hey, Carl Nichols. That's Ray Lightfoot's uh, uncle. Is that right? Yeah. Let's see if that says here. Well, I, I don't know Carl, but I wasn't sure who Carl is, if he's the guy, if that's Bagwell next to him there, or or Carl's the catcher, but there's two people on his card. I'd be mad if I was Carl, and I'll, we'll tell <laughs> we'll tell Ray Ray that, that he that – he, Car- he, wasn't, he wasn't the catcher. He's the other guy. Oh, he's not even in the picture there. It's the catcher. Uh, oh, I hope I find a Brian Jordan here. Luis Aguiar, this is a bad pack. I got his, we're, we've got Daryl Strawberry and kind of going a little – Okay, Steve Howe, a former Yankee. Steve Howe, yeah. Remember him? He had five or six uh-huh. different chances. He, he was he was kind of kind of a tough guy to hit back in the day. Chris James, boy Brian, I'm sorry. This is uh, this is not going as well as I was hoping. I was hoping I could find a. Yeah, Chris James of the Giants. I remember him. This is the second time. I I hate to to bring us down, but uh, this is the second card we've had of the guy who was on a boat and had an an issue. Steve Olin. We'll move on from that because that's not real fun to talk about. Don Sl- <laughs> Don Slot, man, this is a catcher pack, or I don't know. Don Slot, Did you? Yeah, I, these are all old guys. Mickey Tettleton. Oh, okay, got a good one here. Next, there's Mickey Tettleton. Okay, or he played with the Orioles one year. Yeah, and he so. he was hitting the ball. All right, here's a good one. Teammate, U City Zone, Bernard Gilkey. Gilkey, Bernard Gilkey. Tell me a Bernard Gilkey story, Brian, if you can. You know what, Bernard. It's one of my favorite friends of all time because uh, when I came to St. Louis, they tried to give me his job, and he had already, he had earned it, been playing well. And next thing you know, he became the fourth outfielder. I move in, I start over him, and this guy would pull me aside and help me be successful. Although I took his job, you know, not a lot of guys would do that, and that's when I knew he was a true friend and. Uh, he helped me through the tough times. Uh, I eventually ended up getting sent back down to Triple A, <laughs> taking his job because of the curveball, like you said, Brad. But uh, that's what I'm throwing you. You're zero for two in my book. That's what I got. That <laughs> nasty twelve to six, Uncle Charlie. But I learned to hit that one. So believe me, I will be ready for it. But uh, no, he he really pulled me aside, helped me tremendously, man, and became one of my best friends in baseball. Yeah, and he got traded and then had a really good year at the Mets. And, uh, with the Mets, man, yeah. He took off. Last one I have here is Hall of Famer, so that's a good way to end it. Roberto Alomar's uh, with yeah. the Toronto Blue Jays. Great career up until he spit on the umpire, man. Can't do that. Nobody, nobody ever forgets that. I want to show you the last thing I have is this 1997 thing. I've never opened them up. They were free cards, but let's just see what Brian Jordan looked like. You got Fred Bird. Okay, Fred Bird's there. Well, let, let's let's see what you had going on. Here's Tony with the sunglasses. So show that he's got the fungo too. Did you ever get hit by the fungo? Did he ever knock you in the? He'd always he'd always tell us, "Oh, I'll get I'll hit you with the fungo if you keep it up back there." Really? Yeah. No, never never got hit with the fungo. Delino, these are all in uh, alphabetical order. Looks like Eck, Fossus, Gaetti. I don't. Where's Jordan? H I J, right? Danny Jackson. Yep. I don't remember him yeah, being should a. Be, should be. After that, yeah, that handsome fella. There he, is. there he is. What's he doing there? Got the. That was about five percent body fat, man. <laughs> Where you at now? 
I'm about at 18 now. Yeah, I'm about tw- – can you get to 40 or 45? I think I'm right around there. Oh, yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> um, so I get to look at this picture. You got the earring going. Tell me a little bit about the uh, the swag, the flow. Did you Were you into that? I know it's not a big deal, but you look good. Oh, get some chains. Yeah. yeah, I had a couple chains, the NFL chain on representing. And I had that little earring in back in the day that I was in. You know, like, never wear one. Can I ask about Willie McGee in here too? This is on your one of your teammates. Tell me, give me a good Willie McGee story. I love Willie, and then we'll go. Willie, Willie McGee, man, he he is awesome, man. Uh, I remember I, I I did something stupid hitting wise, and he just came up, young blood, young blood. He called it young blood. Come in, <laughs> and I mean, he would just talk to me straight up, get on my case. Him and Ozzy, man, they would just. They were hard nose on me, but they knew they knew they had to be, and uh, they brought the best out of me, man. And uh, they were great mentors in my career. Uh, I love I love Willie and Oz, man. They were my favorite. I could just see those two going. Yeah, get your football playing butt out of here. We don't. Need, this is oh, baseball, Brian. That's exactly right, man. Exactly right. Yeah, I would assume they didn't care about how many that you led the Falcons in, in tackles in '91, right? That didn't come up much. Did not matter at all, man. Did not matter. It was about learning the game of baseball. And, you know, I had to learn on the fly. You know, I didn't play a lot of minor league baseball. I had no clue about anything in baseball. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, I was seaball, hit ball. And uh, they would they would just teach me the game as, as it went along. I lo- who who called you, you big dummy? I know it's from Sanford and Son. But so- that was Ozzy Smith, man, uh, against the Mets. Uh, Brett Saberhagen was pitching against me, and he went up and in on my chin, and I got so angry. I started swinging at balls over my head and came back to the dugout, and Ozzy's just like, you big dummy, this is not football. This is baseball. You can't get mad. <laughs> so that was my first real lesson in Major League Baseball. Brian, this was fun. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. I know the conversation with Hank Aaron will not be as fun. Um no, I'm no. kidding. That's cool. That's so cool. And I love talking to you. And like I said, it's a, it's a fun to know that you're a friend of mine and that you remembered that you're 0 for 2 because I wasn't going to bring it up. But now that you've brought it up, <laughs> we can talk about it. I might show some highlights. I have a few of those clips in there of uh, you kind of swinging at my Fosh ball. Mabry called it the parachute ball. He goes, it comes out looking fast, and then it phew, slows yeah, down. I don't think you're going to find that on, on anywhere, but uh, okay. <laughs> All right, Brian Jordan, thank you very much. It's Brian Jordan joining me here on Here's the Pitch. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, go to my sponsor, Masses Restaurants, five locations, stlmasses.com. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening.